Welcome to Bards and Barrels, the podcast for Dungeons and Dragons players new and old. We're just a few 30-something dads who play D&D on the regular. I'm Ross Struess, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts Brett Miller and Phil Boone. We'll be exploring the worlds of Dungeons and Dragons in each episode, sharing our experiences, offering tips and advice for those who play and run this classic game. Don't miss out on us discussing everything from character creation to combat mechanics and even delving into some of the lore behind the game. We'll also be sharing some of our funniest and most memorable moments from our own D&D campaigns. So whether you're a new player just starting out or a seasoned veteran looking to reminisce about your own adventures or just get a new perspective on things, Bards and Barrels has something for everyone. So sit back, grab a drink, and join us as we roll for initiative and embark on this epic adventure. Welcome back to Bards and Barrels. Phil here with Brett and Ross, and pretty excited. We got a good one for you guys this week. We all have recently gone out and seen the new Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves movies, and we're going to give you guys our opinions. I am excited for this episode. It was a great movie. It was a great movie. It was. uh, I was... It, uh, I don't know. I was so excited to going into it. I wasn't sure I was going to be content with what I saw, but I was uh, came out of it pretty happy. So, want to start off? Spoiler alert! Potentially, we might drop a few things about the movie. So, if you haven't seen it, um, you know what are you doing? Agreed. But <laughs> go see it, then listen to this episode. So, hit pause, find the next showing, see it, and then come back to us. Uh, that being said. First takes. What was your guys' initial impressions? So I should say that my that my first impression was was slightly amped up because our local the- and Brett was with me, so I should say that too. But our our local theater recently got the reclining chairs. We joined the twenty first uh, century, so it was like not only was I seeing a movie that I was super excited yes. for, but it was like reclining heated seats. I was like, oh, this is like primo. This is awesome Don't experience. Fall Oh, well, thankfully it didn't do that, so that's good. Uh, First reaction movie overall, I I loved it. I thought it was a great movie. It was was one of those movies where it's like you go into it and you're like, just let this be good. Like, let it flow. Let it just be a decent movie. Yes, exactly. Yeah, don't (laughs) suck. Don't be another video game movie. Yes, And, and I think it surpassed all of that. Oh yeah, it was oh. far better than any any other video game board game movie. I don't know if there's ever been really any more board games. But... Well, I'm waiting on Candyland. Oh, oh. it's gonna be exciting. Oh, <laughs> give me a like ticket a now. Movie. <laughs> oh yes, a dark Candyland. Ooh, <laughs> ruined my childhood. Somebody make a horror Candyland <laughs> movie. I'm going. Uh, so I was kind of interested in going into it because we've seen so many superhero movies. Mm. How does it compare to a superhero movie? It was very different. Yeah. I agree. It, it would, this was an adventure movie. It was not a superhero movie. And I think it was good. It was refreshing to have something that wasn't just like action, action, action the entire time or action with a quip of a joke here and there. Like this had a storyline and a flow to it. Uh, wasn't quite as fast paced as the superhero movies, which is different. You got to kind of change your expectations of what you're getting into. Uh, it's not the Avengers or Endgame. It's different. It's an adventure. Even though it certainly had some shots that were reminiscent of Avengers. Oh, the visuals of it? It was fantastic. I mean, at the end of the day, action movie, superhero movie, D&D movie, they all plot wise, they're all going to follow a similar arc. Anyway, but I think the thing you hit on the head was 
the timing and throughout the whole movie. It's like it's like it wasn't that action, 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 but it was it was ups and downs. Like there was backstory, and then there was plot building, and then the climax, and then on. So it definitely felt the pacing felt different than a superhero movie. So you are hundred percent correct with that. I agree. I think going into it too. So one of the, one of the things that I was unsure of, I guess, going in was, you know, are we going to get a fantastic movie, or are we going to get a great movie that also looks like D and D being played? And my initial reaction is, I could see the D and D, and I love that part of it. And that kind of rolls into one of the things I wanted to ask you guys about. I've been doing some reading uh, of other people's opinions and have seen some arguments out there about rules versus role-playing, per se, and how maybe they broke some of the traditional rules. So what do you guys, what's your feeling on that? I I think that's a hard balance to achieve. Uh, I I watched several reviews out there where there were certain people who you who had played D and D for a long time that were griping about how things were changed in such a way that it didn't really reflect in exactly how it's played in the game. Right. Uh, it's still a movie though. So you still have to have the pacing. It's like, we can't, you can't wild shape once or twice and then have to long rest and then be able to wild shape again. It doesn't lend itself well to a plot in a movie where you have an hour and a half to two hours to tell that story. You mean no one wants to watch the characters long rest here <laughs> no, in the movie? Why? Why would you want to do that? And that's sitting also around why... a campfire for th- eight hours. <laughs> that's also why D and D takes thirty f- campaign takes thirty five four hour sessions. We don't have that kind of time, friends. I mean, we got to move this along somehow. And and part of that is you got to change how these characters do things. And, and I was okay with that. It didn't bother me at all. It, if you are a, a strict rule follower and want to have something perfectly aligned with the books, this is not for you. You've got to temper your expectations a little bit. They've got to make it fun because you've got to be able to draw in people that have never played D&D before and don't care about the limitations of how many times you can wild shape. Like, right. I think you nailed it on the head, Brett. The one thing that I think those people forget is that this movie was not just created for D&D players. Like they also want this movie to just be watchable for people that don't know the rules. I also, you know, personally think that every table is different. You could sit down at a table with a DM that says, "Oh, you want to do something really awesome, and I'm going to limit you by the rules." Like, no. And you guys know, I do that. We don't always follow the rules, so right. I think that they did a good job of capturing the spirit of the rules, right? Like we understand wild shape and sure if you, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but if you do look at the stat blocks they assigned to these characters, there was a limitation still outside of your typical rules, but there were rules. They've just been bent. And so prime example of what you're talking about is we went with a group of, let me see, one, two, three, four, five people. So Brett and I were probably the more veteran, <laughs> veteran in quotation marks, veteran D&D players. So we were sitting at one end and it was funny because like we were whispering like, okay, that you could tell that was session zero. And then it was like, oh, he definitely used the luck feat there when this happened. Or you could see the things throughout there. You know, we were sitting down there talking about those things. But the other three have only played for maybe the last six to eight months ish. Enjoyed this movie just as a movie. Right. And I think that's something that they were able to pull off to to the point you made was moviegoers totally like this movie because it was fun, adventure style movie, 
But D&D players also like this movie because there were those Easter eggs hidden in there that you could definitely draw the lines back to, hey, this happens in our campaign or this, you know, I've read about this and does that. Something that's kind of been a mind shift for me is we've been kind of spoiled by some of these long-running epic TV shows, Game of Thrones, Mm. Uh, the new Lord of the Rings TV show, where they're they're multi-episode long campaigns where you can develop a lot of backstory, a lot of time devoted to every single random aspect that doesn't really matter. This is a movie. You've got to temper your expectations back to what a movie is, especially confined to the limitations of the time limit of a movie. So I have a question there. So, Brett, I know that you acquired a copy of the comic that kind of predates the movie. So do you get any more insight into some of those, you know, character connections or background stories a little more? Or is that not necessarily in that? Uh, It was pretty light, lightly connected. Um, It touched on the daughter of of Ed Edgen a little bit more than the movie really does. I mean, she's a major feature in the movie. Like that's kind of the whole synopsis of what they're trying to do right. is rescue her. Spoiler. But uh <laughs> in the in the in the prequel comic, it gets into a little bit more about that relationship and how it was a little bit more tense leading into the movie time frame. Uh, the other thing the comic book dive dove into, uh, and I was thankful that Brett let me read it, was uh, uh, how the helm got into the Underdark. Like, that was one of the things with yes. the comic book was they told about that. And then the whole backstory of why he hid it there, blah, 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 which he hinted at in the movie, but you actually get the full story in the comic book. So as for as short as the comic book was, you did get a decent amount of information that connected back to the movie. It was It was solid. Okay. That's awesome. All right, well, question for you guys then. So we've kind of talked about, like, briefly hinted at a couple of the characters. Who was your favorite? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, Goodness gracious. (laughs) I don't know how to answer that. I liked all of them. That's the problem. I I mean, I think they did a good job with, like, giving the backstory for Egan and Holga. Uh, especially the part in the prison at the beginning was pretty funny in my mind. And that was the session zero was like them giving their backstory and how they got and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, I was a little disappointed. So that, that the, the paladin, what, how's, how do we say his name? Zenik? Zink? Zenik? Zenik. Okay. I can't remember how, how they said his name. Uh, he didn't feel like a true paladin to me since he didn't do a lot of, he didn't do any smiting or anything, which when I think of a paladin, I think of smite. Um, but I think Egan was my favorite character. Like, like Chris Pine pulled that part off in such a way that it's like you couldn't help but love him. And especially like when, spoiler alert, when his daughter like pushes him away through the movie because she's being manipulated. And then it's like, you know, he has this whole internal thing and then he comes back and still comes back for her and blah, blah, blah. I think that was just well played. It was a good character. Should he have used Bardic Inspiration at some point? Yes. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Uh, I would say Holga's probably my favorite, but the one I'm going to touch on is how Simon was played. Uh, I'm coming off of playing a warlock for a year and a half, and so seeing another spellcaster playing that, and you could really feel his his roles on the table. Yeah. You could feel when he had a success and when he had a 
had a critical failure, you really felt it. And it's like his gameplay, I feel like, came through really well in how it was pro- portrayed in the movie. I love how you can like literally watch him try to attune to that helmet and oh, see the fails, yes, right? Yes, yes, over, yes, over yes. until it really mattered. Yeah, I, I agree. That was a fantastic play. I mean, I wish they gave Simon a little bit more backstory and like substance to him, but it was uh, it's still a good flowing character in the movie. Okay, one thing I want to touch on. Okay, Doric, because none of us have mentioned her so far. When you typically think of a druid, a tiefling is not what I would go to as the race for a druid. Typically, I would go with an elf or, you know, a gnome or a halfling or something like that. But the fact that they went with something kind of playing to that true D&D style, build the character you want to build. I thought it was really cool they went with the tiefling. I thought she totally had antlers, kind of like a Keyleth in in uh, Vox Machina. But then later she said something about uh, being a, a tiefling. I was like, oh, shit, those are horns. Yeah. I thought the exact same thing, but I think she mentioned something about like being abandoned maybe as a child and then taken yeah. in by, yeah, like a wood elf clan or something like that. Because I thought the same thing. But one of those things, it's like, hey, I want to play a tiefling. And they're like, okay, well, you know, how did you end up here? Uh, well, I was abandoned as a child, right? right. Like, right. that's backstory. Like, uh, session zero, what do I do? That was somebody's fun fact. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some of that might be connected to giving more diversity into the character classes of the people in the movie mm-hmm. and making sure they encompass more than just humans. Totally. And one of the things, so I want to go back to Brett's comments about Simon. I'm really hoping that what they're going to do is that this isn't the end, right? Like, this is part one. And then all of a sudden we're going to end up with all of these offshoots. Cause yeah. I agree. I want to know more about Simon and I want to see that character progress in level, right? I, you get kind of maybe a touch of it during the campaign, but I want to see that expanded on. Edgin is one that he missed half ma- the majority of his bard <laughs> skill set. Right. Like he didn't do mm-hmm. much at all. Right. So that's one I really could see coming into a second movie Edgen learns how to be a bard, how learns how to do magic, levels up quite a quite a few levels. I mean, the only bard thing we really saw him do was when when they were doing that illusion when he was playing the lute. That was the only time we saw him do anything bardish, right? Am I missing something? He did play a song for Holga after she went. That's right. Her, yeah, yes. her ex lover. Very yep. limited. Yep, on the but horse when they were riding out of town. Yes. That's basically it. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, spoiler alert, but shout out to Bradley Cooper for making an appearance in the D&D <laughs> movie. Good job, man. Appreciate that. I didn't even notice it was him. <laughs> I did it. All right. Well, uh, my favorite is Holga. Uh, and I truthfully think that it's really just because that. In my mind, that was the character that was best portrayed by the actor. I feel like she understood the role. She totally dove into it. You could tell like when rage was happening. Uh, my favorite scene of hers is, well, there are two. But the first one, I think my ultimate favorite scene of her is when they're like in the armory where they're forging the weapons and she's fighting like a whole group of people towards the end of the movie. Fantastic battle scene there. But the initial one of just her and Edgin in the alleyway. Oh, my goodness. Was hysterical. Yes. With no weapons, just a brick she grabbed off the ground. It was obvious, right? <laughs> Improvised weapon. Like, Hulk is a barbarian. Like, boom, yes. you just knew. And that that episode, that particular piece was just 
hilarious. Also, low-level characters just letting the barbarian do its thing, and yes. I'm just gonna stay back and out of out a of barbarian the at level one or level five, like low levels, yes. is going to kick ass. Yes, I mean yes. barbarians are gonna do that whenever they want, but yes. Michelle Rodriguez nailed that performance. She did. I think totally. that of the performances of all the characters, she was the best. I agree. Do you think she bulked up for this role? I mean, she's always been pretty ripped, but she probably leaned into it a little bit more, and they probably helped her enhance some of that (laughs) aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to meet her in an alley. Oh, hell no. (laughs) No, 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 no. Nope. All right, well, one of the things that uh, I think is interesting, if we kind of look at those characters that we liked, and we go back to that rules versus role-playing argument, Beyond did come out and actually publish like some NPC stat blocks to basically back up some of the you know rule break, rule breaking more or less. Uh, do you guys have a chance to review those? Yeah. So on D and D Beyond, they have each of the individual characters, and the one that really jumped out to me was the one we touched on earlier, which is Doric, the uh, the the druid. And normally you're limited on your wild shape to what is it two per day, uh, most of the time. Uh, but she has a special ability called Chain Shape, which is five per day. So it really opens up, especially for a movie, being able to wild shape on on a needed basis. And you're not limited to, you're not restricting yourself in how you're using it. And is wild shape a full action typically too? Because her like shape change is just a bonus action. Oh, I, which makes I believe it even it's like action. that much more powerful. And one other thing that that D and D Beyond mentioned, actually at the top of that page before you get into the stat blocks, was that the the stat blocks that they provided for all these characters are actually meant to be for NPCs and not playable characters. So I think that's a very important part in here because as you're like looking at them, you're like, okay, well, why doesn't the paladin have smite? Well, there's a reason for that because it's not an actual playable character and doesn't have the same features as a full paladin kind of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so getting ready to wrap up, would you guys recommend it? What the movie? Think? Yeah. Yes. I, I think it's it's good for people that just want to see a good movie that takes a different pace and a different tone than a lot of things we've seen lately. I think if you're a veteran D&D player, I think there's a lot of Easter eggs for you within there, even though it doesn't necessarily hold, it doesn't toe the line of, D&D actual play. Let's be honest. At this point, if you're a D&D player, you've already seen it, or you're planning on seeing it as soon as you can. Uh, I would say, though, for anybody who hasn't seen it, and especially if it's going out of a theater near you, watch it. If it's on some sort of Netflix, whatever system that it goes on to eventually, it is definitely worth a watch. It's not something that you're going to want to rewatch 20, 30 times, it's not one of those necessarily, like, what, Lord of the Rings? It's not an epic. It's not going to win some major award necessarily, but I think it is, it's a fun movie. It's really interesting to learn more about D&D, especially something that's been around for 20 or 30 years. I, I, I think a shot. an important thing to point out is that of, of all, like, the reviews that I've listened to, even though some people nitpick things, the reviews from whether it's just your average moviegoer or whether it's your veteran D&D players, it's been positive. And even Rotten Tomatoes, like its critical oh, yeah. reviews have are at 90% and its audience score is at a 93%. There's a lot Dang. of movies out there that 
never hit that mark. No. And so so that's still impressive. So it's a I mean, fun movie. Totally. And so the fact that it hits that and then that probably increases the likelihood that there's a sequel of some sort, we should all be proud of that because it's better than the original D&D movie that came The out. one I would say it's most similar to would be kind of Guardians of the Galaxy Galaxy-esque where it's it's kind of in that same realm, kind of the same that, that same field, maybe not as comic booky. Not as comic booky, sure. but I feel like it has that sense of humor, though. Humor, pacing. Totally. Story. I mean, even like yeah. general plot line, right? I would see it again. I mean, I, I want to watch it again yeah. to go back and like look at it through the lens of, okay, it was a great movie. I really enjoyed it. Now, what all did I miss? Ooh, right, right. Because I know that I miss stuff. You could yes. you could watch this multiple times and focus like watch it through specifically focusing on a different aspect and get a completely different experience. I even think looking at it like <laughs> you mentioned earlier, Ross, the scene at, towards the beginning about them breaking out of the prison, right? Where oh my goodness, <laughs> you just look at it and it's like here you could look through a, a published adventure. So, so on the DM side, right? Like I'm read several published adventures and sitting through it, I know what the book says, right? And you could kind of see that play out. And then the characters just do whatever the hell they want, right? And it's like, this is what would have happened if you would have stuck the course and instead, no. Like, it goes completely awry. D&D is so much more fun oh, when you screw over the DM. It felt just like an actual session, and that's how it should feel. You know, the best part about that whole scene was, like, as he's going out the window and the one judge or whatever it was, like, was like, we were going to release you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Bards and Barrels. Remember, you can listen to the show anywhere podcasts can be found. We're going to be dropping bonus content over on our Facebook page very soon. So if you want to stay in the loop and not miss the latest from us, be sure to head over and give us a like and follow at www.facebook.com slash bards and barrels. We'll see you soon.